We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, February 2nd. And before we get into all the news of the week with the Bears hiring their next head coach and the Senior Bowl going on right now and everything that we have for you guys today, Yusei, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing well. It's an exciting time. You know, Senior Bowl, I feel like, is always the inaugural event of the draft season because you have the Senior Bowl this year, and then what happens is you have the scouting combine a couple weeks down the road, followed by pro days. So, you know, things are full steam ahead, and I'm ready to certainly get this going for another year. Yeah, absolutely. Draft season is fully ensuing right now. Like I said before, the Senior Bowl, uh, we – just had their second practice today for the week. Um, so that's going on right now. We won't be covering that today because uh, we're going to wait for uh, the entire week to play out and then hopefully get some exciting guests on uh, to talk about uh, the Senior Bowls guys who were there at the Senior Bowl and guys that we can kind of get a little bit more of an insight from, uh, from guys that have seen these players practicing up close. But uh, let's not bury the lead here, you said. Uh, we talked about it last week on our last episode that you know, the Bears were uh, – you know, starting to break down some of their key candidates. You know, we talked about Jim Caldwell, uh, Dan Quinn, and of course, Matt Eberflus being the top three candidates for Ryan Poles making his decision on who'd be the next Bears head coach. Well, they made that decision rather, they made it pretty quickly because literally the next day that we recorded, uh, it was announced that Matt Eberflus was hired as the next Bears head coach. So for those who may not know of Eberflus's background, uh, Eberflus, uh, he was a defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts over the last four seasons. Uh, he's had a lot of success there with the Colts. You know, the Colts, they were one of the worst defenses in the league before he got there. And he rebuilt that defense to a degree where, you know, they've been consistently a top 10 unit ever since he's been there year after year after year after year. Very consistent with what he's done there. Um, you look at his coaching background, 
before that, uh, you know, working with the Cowboys uh, when they had Jalen Smith and, you know, a couple other talented linebackers there. Sean Lee uh, was a guy there that had some success, a veteran player during that time when Eberflus was there. You know, his background is with linebackers. We've seen what Darius Leonard has done under his tutelage during the early seasons of his career in Indianapolis. And now they're bringing Eberflus in here to Chicago Bears, who, yeah, Justin Fields is the most important player on the roster right now. But with that said, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with a guy like Roquan Smith, for instance, at that linebacker position, see what he can do uh, there. So, uh, you know, let's break down this hiring right now. You said, what are your thoughts on the Bears' decision to go with Matt Eberflus as the next head coach for the foreseeable future? You know, you have to kind of flash back to when the hiring cycle really started and specifically Black Monday, because when guys like Brian Flores were fired, you know, I think that, Flores instantly became the hot name. A guy like Brian Dable was a hot name. Now the bears kind of did this in an in intriguing fashion because they did cast a wide net. A lot of people, I don't think for bears fans, if you looked at just the list of interviews that they were going through, I don't ever think Matt Eberflus was anyone's first choice, especially for fans in the media, but Ryan polls, you could tell by the way that he talked about Matt Eberflus he really liked what Matt had to offer now what sticks out to me about Matt Eberflus is just his football philosophy not even who he is as a person but his football philosophy because the last couple of years we've kind of gotten used to the Matt Nagy BU now BU is not really a football philosophy it's more just of a this is who your identity is as a person this is who what your identity is as a football player Matt Eberflus's football philosophy and he broke it down in the press conference it's the hits principle it's high it's hustle f intensity you know taking the ball away being smart that's hits right there so you know hustle just means playing at a high level intensity, playing with a high motor, be effort-based. You have taken the ball away, which means creating turnovers, but also protecting the football and then being situationally smart, not having any penalties, just playing smart, situational sound football. They, the Bears have really lacked over the last couple of years. And when you take that hits principle and you look at Matt Eberflus's four seasons in Indianapolis, I think it was apparent that it was on display every single time that, they took the field. Another thing to really look at when it comes to Matt Eberflus, and I did a thread breakdown of this on Twitter. I went back and I looked at the call draft classes from 2018 to 2021. And the conclusion I came away with is that Matt Eberflus is not only an X's and O's type person, but he also sees the game through a unique lens. I think he's really someone that has a scout's eye because over the four years in Indianapolis that Iberflus was there, they drafted 19 defensive players. Just one of those guys was the first round pick, which is Quiddy Pay. They have 18 of those 19 guys still on the roster. And that speaks to two things. One, Iberflus's ability to identify talent and then just communicate with the general manager as well as the personnel department and the college scouts. Hey, this is who I believe we need. But the number two, really, his ability to go ahead and develop that talent. Now, when you look at some of that called secondary, only there were zero first round picks in that secondary. Those guys like Julian Blackman, third round pick, Rocky Asin. Well, Rocky Asin was a third round pick. Blackman was, I believe, a second round pick. And so ultimately, Iberflus has shown us time and time again, hey, look, I the hits principle has succeeded, but I'm also an excellent evaluator and someone that knows how to develop talent. Yeah, and I think development will be key because that's one of the things we saw with this uh, last Bears regime is that, you know, a lot of 
evaluators wouldn't question necessarily when Ryan Pace would make a, a draft selection. They wouldn't question the pick necessarily uh, most of the time. You know, there were some picks that were pretty questionable. You know, Adam Shaheen, Mitch Trubisky stick out as ones where a lot of people were scratching their heads about, you know, what the Bears were exactly thinking there. But um, you go back to the selections like Anthony Miller, for instance, um, you know, not working out. Um, Kevin White, I know there are a lot of other issues there that kind of led to him being a bust, but Kevin White was another one. You know, Leonard Floyd never really reached his potential with the Bears. Um, there are a lot of instances where guys who were talented football players, uh, but never really developed in, you know, with the coaching staffs that the Bears had over the last seven or so years or so. And um, that's certainly something where I think you look at the Colts and their track record of in terms of some of the young guys that have developed under Matt Eberflus, you kind of mentioned it in the secondary Blackman. I was immediately a starter for them at the safety position. Uh, you look at Rocky Sin had a breakout year this season. Darius Leonard, I bring it up again, a second round pick who a lot of uh, evaluators and scouts did not see as a second round pick. And he, right now he's one of the five or so best linebackers in football. And it, you just go down the list of guys that have really worked out uh, for that defense over the years, guys that they have drafted. Uh, it, it speaks to one, the Colts, their front office, they have a really good eye for talent, like you kind of mentioned, and Eberflus kind of being a part of that, kind of being able to help them identify the guys that he needs for his defense. But again, it goes to that Eberflus does a good job of coaching these up, putting them in good positions to succeed, and then having them flourish in their roles, basically. So uh, that's a part where I'm excited for to see what Eberflus can do defensively. Um, again, defensive-minded head coach, so you know, some of the things that I'm going to question early on or, you know, some of the decision makings he's going to have, you know, what is his philosophy for going forward on fourth down? What's his philosophy for, um, you know, the offense in terms of does he want a conservative offense or does he want an offense that's going to be aggressive and look to score points um, and and get big leads instead of just, you know, trying to play it safe and not turn the ball over, you know, does he want an offense that wants to be more high octane and and put up a lot of points, you know, um, in terms of, you know, challenges. What is this challenging going to be like? You know, how does he manage the clock? You know, all that stuff is, is, is stuff that, you know, most head coaches, new head coaches are going to have uh, questions for, but especially for defensive-minded head coach, you expect a certain type of, um, you know, style for how they approach the game of football. And it's usually more of a conservative um, feel for the game, more of an old school feel for the game in terms of, you know, we're not going to go for it on fourth down too much. We're, you know, not going to try and run, we're going to try to run the ball on offense. We're not going to try to turn the ball over all those little things. We're going to play field position, you know, all, all the basic fundamental things of football that, you know, are kind of, you know, I wouldn't say are not important, but are less important now that we're getting into the modern era of football where teams are passing it more than ever. Teams are going for it on fourth down more than ever. Teams are trying to score touchdowns more than ever and really be more aggressive with that rather than, um, you know, just taking the points uh, for field goals here and there, you know, how is Eberflus going to, you know, mesh the new era of football with more of his, what seems like an old school. And you can hear in his press conference, kind of that old school mindset of, you know, we're going to play physical, we're going to hustle, we're going to play fast. I, I love the thing that he added in his press conference, or I, I believe it was, it was mentioned in his press conference, but it might've been from an article kind of detailing, you know, what he is as a coach and what he kind of values. Um, the fact that they track what's called loafs uh, during practices and games and whatnot. Basically what a loaf is, is according to Eberflus, uh, that coaching tree, um, is that they basically, you know, they track whether players are not hustling uh, to the ball on defense during the play. So if a guy 
you know, the ball you know gets thrown on the screen and we see a defensive lineman just jogging, not working his way over there to try and get in on the play. They're going to mark you down for a loaf there. And those are critical things that they track for, you know, whether guys are going to play or not. And that, that's certainly something where, um, you know, maybe some people might feel like that's not a great fit for the modern day athlete or the pro game uh, where you have a lot of guys that, you know, you know, maybe that's something that works better for, you know, college or whatever, but, you know, clearly you look at what it did for the Colts. It, the players responded to that with Indianapolis and you saw it with their defense. They hustled to the ball, they gang tackled, they, you know, got into positions to where if the ball got stripped, they were there to pick the ball up and get a turnover basically. So, you know, it, whatever that philosophy is, you can say it's old school. You can say that it's maybe more of a collegiate feel to it. The way that Iberflu seems to teach it, it works. And this is something where it goes back to kind of his roots in terms of uh, working under Rod Marinelli, who of course was the Bears defensive coordinator during the last few years of the Lovey Smith era uh, in Chicago. Um, you know, Bears fans love Rod Marinelli with his defenses that he had there. And, you know, that's one of the things that Rod Marinelli really preached at Lovey Smith really preached, you know, hustling to the ball, game tackling, uh, trying to create turnovers. That's some of the things that Eberflus is going to bring here. And, you know, I'm, I've mentioned this many times before, many times before, but Eberflus, the one thing that you can tell when you watch his defenses are that they come prepared, that they're well coached, they're fundamentally sound, they're not going to beat themselves too often. Uh, they're going to keep plays in front of them and they're going to play hard and they're going to tackle and they're going to play physical. So if you know, you're, you like that style of football, especially on defense, that's what you can expect here. I, I do expect him to, to have a well-coached unit on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it's already seen, you see like some of the assistant coach that he's bringing over. He's basically bringing his entire coaching staff from Indianapolis. So that's something where I feel like it's going to be a seamless fit, a seamless transition from Indianapolis to, to Chicago on the defensive side of the ball. I know their defense isn't quite as talented as it was a few years ago. It's getting up there in age, but you still have some talented dudes on this side of the ball. You have Cleo Mack, you have Robert Quinn, you have Raquan Smith, you have Jalen Johnson, you know, maybe he can get the most out of Eddie Jackson again. Like there are some guys in this defense to where, you know, if, if they can fill in some holes elsewhere, they could be a solid unit still, especially if they're well coached. Like I think they will be with Eberflus running the show. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, this is where things get a little bit interesting because, of course, the big question with a defensive-minded head coach, especially with a young quarterback like Justin Fields that needs to get developed and needs some time to learn the game, you know, what is his plan to develop Justin Fields in the offense? And most importantly, who is he bringing in to be the offensive coordinator on that offensive coaching staff to kind of help with that? And we got some answers to that already. Um, the offensive coordinator for the Bears is going to be Luke Getze. Uh, who was the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers over the past couple years. He's been with the Packers for a pretty long time now. He had one, a one-year stint in college um, during that time in 2018, but ever since basically the mid-2010s, he's been with the Green Bay Packers in that organization. Um, you know, Getzi is a very interesting hire. I, I've been a very big fan of what the Green Bay Packers have done schematically over the last three years. They really helped revitalize Aaron Rodgers career I feel like in many ways like Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers but um you know what they've done in that passing game over the past few years has really helped make things easier for Aaron Rodgers during his time there so what are your thoughts on the hire of Getze here and what do you think he's going to bring to the Bears here to be their offensive coordinator working under Eberflus well I think Luke Getze is a high risk high upside type of move that you make at the offensive coordinator position I mean the Bears are basically 
giving a first-time offensive coordinator at the NFL level complete autonomy of building an offense from scratch and then also going ahead and developing Justin Fields. Now, you know, a lot of Getsy's development has taken place under Matt LaFleur, who also comes from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So definitely expect the Bears to kind of have a more balanced offense next season in terms of where the running game is once again continues to be the strength but then there's a lot of play action nakeds and blue bootlegs sprinkled in there as well when you look at some of the talent on this bears offense i think luke is going to come in right away and he has an opportunity to really make a big splash because outside of the quarterback position the type of offense the bears are going to look to run you know white the bears do have some really intriguing pieces you know you've got a do-it-all gadget kind of wide receiver in darnell mooney you've got a pretty good but not yet great tight end in Cole Komet. And then you look at some of the talent at the running back position. We know Montgomery's the workhorse running back, but then I really like what Khalil Herbert brings. I think if they decide to bring Damian Williams back, he's going to be just another rotational back who can be a bit of an asset in the passing game. When you look at Eberflus overall, he brought in Luke Getze specifically because I think Luke really showed throughout time in Green Bay. Hey, listen, I deserve a promotion. And it was really going to go one of two ways for Getze. He was either going to land a head coaching job this offseason or he was going to stay in Green Bay and probably be promoted to offensive coordinator but the problem is it wouldn't really have been the true role of an offensive coordinator because Matt LaFleur would have been play calling now this right here I think is the biggest job interview that Luke Getzey's ever going to go through in his career because he has a spot an opportunity to leave his mark on the NFL by saying, hey, I developed Justin Fields. I put together an offense from scratch, and I was successful as a play caller. I was the reason that the Bears offense, which had been dull for so many years, finally got it turned around and succeeded. And again, teams around the league have pretty much shown, hey, if you're a young offensive mind, yeah, the inexperience is an issue, but if you're a leader and you know your X's and O's, guess what? We will go ahead. We will pull the trigger on you. And so ultimately for Getsy, this is a big job interview, basically. And he has an opportunity to leave his mark. And what will happen is this, is that I do think he's going to be a head coach at some point over the next two cycles. Now, for the Bears, I mean, there's very few teams that can offer gets what the bears were basically putting on the table right and ultimately that's i think what this came down to so someone that has a really high upside is what eberflus was going for and right now listening to matt eberflus praise luke getsy you know what it's very clear that eberflus has been on or getsy's been on eberflus's radar for a long time we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I think when you look at Luke Getze here, and you know, obviously this is the big biggest hire for Eberflus uh, in terms of the first couple of years of his tenure here, you know, because what can Getsy do with uh, Justin Fields? I mean, that's going to be the biggest question for everyone. And I think you kind of, you mentioned it before, but obviously Iberflus, this is a guy that get with Getsy who um, he's had a relationship with him. It seems like over the past few years, and this was a guy that he was targeting. It, it seems like that's be his offensive coordinator. That might've been something that he, he sold to Ryan Poles uh, during his interview that, Hey, I really like, Getsy here and I think he can do this this and this for Justin Fields in this offense and you know he might be a young guy that we can bring in and kind of be that innovator in offense to kind of go with what he brings in defense so I, I think when I look at Getsy and the scheme here specifically I'm excited to see what he does bringing the Shanahan offense over to the Bears and I think that's something uh, where we saw kind of shades of it over the past two years where the Bears they started to run more Shanahan concepts with the, the play action game uh, the zone, the outside zone run game and play action off of that bootlegs off of that. We start, started to see that more over the past two years um, to kind of complement, you know, what Nagy did with the cheese, you know, didn't really quite mesh very well, I think, because those are two kind of different offensive philosophies right there. So now you're getting a guy who's going to be fully invested in that Shanahan philosophy of where you kind of mentioned it, you're going to run the ball a little bit more. I'm not sure, you know, there are some variations of the Shanahan offense where they don't run the ball, but typically you look at, you know, the Titans, uh, the 49ers, you know, the Rams before uh, this year, before Stafford uh, became their quarterback. And even in Green Bay, these are teams that typically like to run the ball a little bit more. They like to, you know, pound the rock, you know, with that outside zone scheme, be physical up front, play action off of it, bootlegs off of it, keeping things pretty easy for the quarterback in terms of you know not having to sit back and shotgun all the time um, and go through their progressions, go through their reads. Um, you know, a lot of it is simple play action, get the defense going one way, get the pass rush, slowing that down a little bit, creating a big pocket for the quarterback to operate in, and then just basically one to two, make your read, make your decision, or, or go basically is what this offense is kind of based around. And a lot of, you know, you look at what they do schematically in terms of the wide receivers, getting them open on, you know, deep crossers, deep post, uh, deep digs, all that stuff over the middle of the field, getting in positions to where uh, they can get the ball on the run in places where they can get yards after the catch and get big plays in the passing game. I think that's really something that it's going to be exciting here. You look at Getsy's background, you know, a lot of people that I talked to kind of mentioned the fact that, um, he brought a lot of stuff in terms of being innovative with the Packers in terms of their vertical passing game and bringing in new concepts to kind of help unlock that in their offense. And that's really exciting because it kind of meshes perfectly with Justin Fields and what he does as a quarterback. Um, you know, you look at Justin Fields, he struggled with a lot of the short stuff and some other things here and there his rookie season. But one thing he was definitely great in going back to college was his deep ball accuracy is, is top notch is one of the best in the NFL. Um, He's got one of the strongest arms in the league. We, we saw that this past year, and he just has that mindset of he's going to continue to attack down the field. And I, I think that's something to where if they can bring that uh, to his game and, and to complement his skill set, uh, this could be a perfect pairing because you, you run a lot of play action. Uh, you get receivers running vertically and across the field horizontally down the field. Um, 
with fast wide receivers, you can stretch them vertically, you can stretch them horizontally, and that's going to create big wide open windows for your receivers to get open and, and make things just a lot easier for Justin Fields. And I hope that's something where we see Getsy bringing that to the table. Now, we haven't seen him fill out the rest of his offensive staff. So I'm kind of curious who he brings in. You know, there were some rumors that Joe Brady might have been the quarterback coach. He ended up joining the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it was announced earlier today to be their quarterback coach. You know, who's going to come in to fill out the offensive line coach position, um, all that stuff. I'm sure it's going to be answered by the time we're done recording this podcast. In fact, I believe they did get an offensive coach hired today, but the name is escaping me right now for some reason. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see what they do here. Overall, I'm, I'm pretty positive with this hiring and the coaching staff that they're building out here. Uh, we still have a long way to go, though, before we're done with these things here. So overall, I think there are some positives here for the Bears in terms of what they have uh, with their co new coaching staff. And we just have to see what they do now in this offseason going forward with the roster and the players that they build it, that they bring in here and, and see you know, what changes are going to be coming around the corner for the Bears here. All right, so moving on from the Bears now, let's get to our second topic today, and that's uh, continuing our series of prospect interviews heading into the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, today, we're bringing in uh, Idaho University of Idaho defensive back Jalen Hoover. Uh, you know, we had a great conversation with him talking about uh, his journey to the NFL and his journey at Idaho. So, we're very excited to show you guys that conversation. So let's get into that right away. Here is our discussion with Jalen Hoover, defensive back out of Idaho. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Joining us now on the Picks for Polls podcast, we've got the University of Idaho's very own cornerback, Jalen Hoover, in the house. This is another interview that we're doing in our prospect series this offseason. But, Jalen, how you doing? Thanks for being on, man. I'm doing good. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited you're here. I mean, we're just going to get right into this. You know, after graduating high school, just take us through your playing time at the University of Idaho. Why do you think Idaho ended up being such a great fit? Um, I would say um, I really um, connected with Coach Petrino um, and my D coordinator, Coach Bresky, right out of high school. Um, they recruited me at the beginning of my senior year. So I'm um, just talking to them through that process and kind of knowing what I was getting into, knowing that I have a great chance to come in and uh, contribute to the team right away, just as long as I get in the playbook and everything. So when I got up there my freshman year and um, 
just getting into the swing of things, I picked up the prayer book um, pretty good um, with the help of Coach Bresky and um, former teammates of mine. So like um, one of my teammates, another safety, Ramon Hawkins, he helped me just really kind of just learn the playbook. So by the time game three came with injuries started to hit during that senior season, I was able to just step in and um, contribute right away as a freshman, true freshman, and um, start right away, help the team do all what I could. And um, I just felt like everybody just in that program just really prepared me just to be in that starting role. Yeah, you talk about being prepared uh, from the program and, and what they've done to prepare you uh, on the field. But uh, in terms of what Idaho, how that experience has kind of, con kind of continued to shape you both as a player on the field, but also off the field, um, you know, how was that occur for you? And, you know, how was it different, you know, going from, you know, down south in Mississippi, going all the way up to Idaho. What was kind of that experience like? Uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of a, I'm sure, a shock going from uh, the south all the way up north like that. Yeah. Um, how was that for you? Yeah, um, like I tell everybody, like the biggest thing, um, I tell them like Idaho and Mississippi, especially Moscow, where it's kind of more rural, it's almost the same, you know, but you add a mountain here, a lot of hills there, and cut away some of the trees is about the same, you know, um, plus the snow. So, um, all that was like different, you know, that was more of a shock to me, but um, it was just quick to get used to it and everything. And the people up there was great. Um, everybody was welcoming, everybody was like friendly and everything. So um, just trying to find my way around and just asking around, everybody was just like very um, helping on that part. So I didn't feel like I was too out of place or anything. So just being able to get to a new home, adapt to it and do the best I can. So that part of it, um, transition wise, it, it was pretty easy for me. Easy transitions are always great, but we have to ask you, I mean, playing defensive back, how do you just describe your overall style of play? And then looking at the NFL, I mean, are there any defensive backs that you model yourself after? Yeah, um, just going from that, um, I feel like my style of play is, um, I try to be just very um, versatile. Like anything my coach asks for, I just try to provide either that being on the defensive side of the ball or in special teams, kind of my biggest thing, kind of going from Idaho. And um, one person, one player I know I kind of try to get nicks and pieces from his game is um, Kenny Moore from the Colts. They're kind of slot corner, outside corner. And um, especially for my junior year, I just kind of really just start watching him and try to develop more since I was putting more of a corner um, nickelback um, role starting from my junior year all the way through my senior year and everything. So um, just that style of play, how he kind of plays with that um, hard nose, but also having the smarts to be able to jump back and forth between inside, outside, and being wherever his team to be. I kind of view myself the same way, you know, and um, being able to be able to um, go out there and cover a wide out man to man, something that um, I would say I learned moving from safety to that cornerback position. So just overall, I just feel like um, my vers my versatility kind of really describes my games the best and uh, just the attitude of getting it done no matter what, being on the defensive ball or special teams. Yeah, certainly versatility is something that I think a lot of NFL teams uh, value in all their players, but especially defensive back where you look at uh, today's game where it's, you know, teams are spreading out all you know, wide receivers all over the field. You got to get guys that can cover those guys and uh, be able to play inside, outside, special teams, safety, all that stuff is, you know, just extremely valuable stuff for NFL teams. Uh, you talked about making that transition to safety to corner though. Um, you know, I'm sure there, you know, it was something where it was kind of like after a while it was a little bit be able to be a seamless fit. 
um, going to make that transition, but it could also be challenging as well in terms of, um, you know, playing a new position, learning new techniques, all that type of stuff. So um, for you, what challenges have you had to overcome to get where you're at today? And what do you think will uh, be a challenge for you moving forward as you kind of make the leap to the NFL? Yeah, um, I would say kind of um, outside of football challenge, one of the big things was just being away from home. I would say um, just really trying to learn things pretty much by myself out there in Idaho, you know, um, like I said, I'm coming from Mississippi and pretty much going all the way across the country. It's not, um, it's, I don't have family out there, you know, so just um, pretty much just learning like um, different whereabouts and how to get to this place, how to get stuff done, I would say was kind of challenging at first, but um, I'm always the type that really never turned down from a challenge and always kind of pursue through it and make sure I get over it. So that was like kind of one of my life challenges, I would say, um, as a reason that I had to go through, but now it pretty much made me a better person, better man. So now I'm able to adapt to different things. So um, even from after um, this past season, um, I moved down to Texas to start training at the MJP. So um, kind of going through that high school, the college transition kind of prepared me for that type of transition to be able to come back down, um, back down south, not necessarily to Mississippi, but just to a new area and being able to conquer that and kind of use those same um, tools that I built over the years and apply it down here. But um, football-wise, a challenge, I would say, um, I wouldn't necessarily say a challenge, but more of a learning curve, I would say, would be um, playing with my back to the ball. Um, I never never truly knew how challenging it was until going to that position because I played safety all through high school. Um, I practiced, took a few reps at corner through high school. Uh, then when I made it to college, um, like I said, my first two years, I started at safety. And I, that was just kind of always my natural position, being to be able to be the quarterback of the defense, being to look at everything, control everything, see everything, to then transition to the corner to where now I'm truly reacting off of a man, you know, to where my back is turned 98% of the time, unless I'm playing a zone, you know. So, um, but that's one thing um, I would say I appreciate that the program allowed me to do, you know, um, being able to go down and use other skills and other tools that I had, be able to go down there and play corner and display that as well to where it really felt natural over time. You know, um, I want to say during that spring season, I mean, not spring season, but um, that spring camp, um, being able to go down there, learn it, um, go against really good guys. I know we had a, um, well, a former team of mine. He was an undrafted free agent, Jeff Cotton, who's with the um, Jacksonville Jaguars now. Being able to go against him every day in practice really um, helped me learn faster than I would if I wasn't going against that type of talent, you know. So um, I would say in football-wise, um, that was a learning curve that I was able to get over pretty fast. So I have to ask a real quick follow-up question because that was a lot of awesome information right there. But do you, playing cornerback now, do you still see the game through a safety's eyes or have you kind of had to basically go ahead and readjust and look at it from a different perspective now specifically because like you know cornerbacks they don't line up like 15 to 20 yards behind the defense like safeties do yeah um yeah going from there I would say I would still see it through a safety like my coach he always jokes with me with knowing too much you know because it's safe you gotta know everything with everybody so um he always jokes with me about knowing too much but he always prides me on being able to know as much as I do but then also, I, one thing I was always pulled from safety, just my physicality. Like, I was never afraid 
go down, hit somebody, go down, put my nose down there um, in the line of scrimmage, you know. So I always just took those traits of safety from me and moved to the corner to where now I'm reacting more quickly, being more light on my feet, being pretty much being a um, better athlete of what I am, you know. So those are pretty much the things that I took from safety um, that I just molded over and you know, being able to go back and forth, I would say. Yeah, I'm sure with the transition from safety to corner, you know, at safety, uh, you're kind of obviously you're, you're the last line of defense, hence the name of the position, but you're also kind of the quarterback of the defense in a way. You can kind of see where everyone is on the field and be able to direct things along uh, the line there to your teammates and whatnot, and, and then diagnose the play and then make the play on it. Cornerback, a little bit different of experience, I would say, I would assume. Um, but, you know, you talked about your training earlier going back down to Texas, I believe it was. Um, you know, I want to go through that and kind of circle back to that because, you know, you know, what has your daily routine been uh, in terms of, you know, who you've been training with and um, what do you hope to accomplish over the next few months in terms of, you know, what you're doing the train for, you know, what positions are you training for and what you're hoping to get better at uh, during this time over, you know, the next few months leading into the draft? Yeah. So, um, like I said before, I moved down here to Dallas, um, North Dallas area. Um, I'm training at the um, Michael Johnson facility um, over here in McKinney. And um, pretty much just the big thing leading to that was um, my thoughts were, okay, what's the best situation I could put myself into to train? And um, my first thought was the weather-wise, because in Idaho right now, there's maybe like two feet of snow. I'm like, can't train in there. So I'm like, I got to get back down south. So came back down here and um, signed up. And now I'm in, I've am in. i been in the training for about a month now. And um just overall, they're great. Um, just going into it, um, my coach, um, um, Brian McCall, um, one thing that I know me and him try to aim for goals-wise for me is, first thing, my weight, um, just trying to get up. And I, since being out and gained 10 pounds, I can just see it. And he can see just the, um, the benefit that it has, just stronger, faster. Just overall goals that I just tell him just, I want to be the fastest on the field. I want to be able to jump high, run fast and be strong when I need to, you know? So those are pretty much just the main target areas that we're um, just really aiming at in the program. So I have to ask you, I mean, have there been like, you know, any teams that you've been in contact with or, if, you know, when you talk to like people that represent certain NFL teams, have mm -hmm. they kind of talked to you in terms of, hey, Jalen, this is the role we see you playing at the next level in our defense? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, going from that, um, I would say um, I've had other um, other people close to me that kind of handle those communications. Um, always come up to me and tell me kind of what the scouts and what other NFL teams looking for. And pretty much the biggest thing is just um, my versatility, um, just being that inside corner, that nickel position, part of the um, part of the um, position that NFL teams are looking at me uh, right now. And somewhat that safety position, um, more like a Buda Baker or Antoine Winfield type body type. Um, not the tallest, but always not scared to put their nose down there. So um, those pretty much those positions that um, my agent and um, my football director kind of been telling me teams have been looking at me at. Yeah, and speaking of NFL teams, the Bears are, you know, a team that's going to be in search of cornerback help uh, this offseason to kind of help with uh, Jalen Johnson, who's been their number one guy there the last couple of years, and he should be the number one guy going into this year. So for a, a passionate fan base like Chicago, who loves their defensive backs and they love guys that are physical and not afraid to hit and get after it, um, you know, what 
is something that they should know about you, Jalen Hoover, in terms of what you bring, you know, not even, not also, no, not just on the field, but off the field. What is something that uh, Bears fans should know about you personally? Um, just personally, I would say I just have, um, I always pride myself on just being a great person to everybody, you know, um, giving people respect when they deserve respect. Um, everybody deserves that, you know. So um, just being, um, I would say I'm one that I would try to always go out my way to help people in need. Um, for instance, um, I know, I feel like on my resume, um, during the COVID year, um, I have found a organizational job to where we put together COVID kits. It kind of went out over the whole nation. And um, just just to know that my impact, my small impact was a major impact just to go out there and help people in need and especially during the time of crisis. And I would just say that's, I would say that kind of reflects my character how, like I said before, like I'm just, I try to be caring. I try to go out there and do what I need to do and uh, always try to represent myself the best I can in public. So I have to ask you, right, how do you think the role of defensive back has changed over time? Because it seems like, you know, the NFL is clearly becoming more pass happy. And so teams really value stuff like coverage ability in a cornerback and just the defensive back in general way more than they used to. Whereas like 20 years ago, you know, you used to always see cornerbacks getting involved in the run game. Not that they don't do so now, but it just seems like there's been such a bigger emphasis being placed on coverage ability. Yeah. Um, I would, I would just say, if you take a look at the offense and nowadays, quarterback and wide, I was like, you have to get guys that can cover those guys, you know? So um, just over the years, I know um, one of my um, skills trainers, Clay, um, Clay Mack, um, his big thing is like every year the um, drafts is picking up more DBs, you know, and just trying to filter through those guys and you're trying to find those next Jalen Ramsey's, um, who else, those next like Patrick Peterson, guys like that that can go out there and be sticky and um, stay with those guys and make sure that their defense not giving up big plays to like those Jamar Chases and being thrown on by Joe Burrow. So just over the years, I would say, um, you, when you get faster, stronger, bigger receivers, you got to find faster, stronger, bigger DBs that can stay with them. And um, I just feel like I can be one of those guys as well. And then, Jalen, last question that I have for you. Have there been any, any defensive backs in the NFL that you've talked to or anybody uh, who's been to the NFL from Idaho that you've talked to to kind of help you in this draft process and kind of give you some you know, tips and pointers for, you know, what to expect um, as this thing kind of plays out? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, my former teammates, um, I know Caden Ellis down there with the Saints. Um, I know he he's one guy I really talked to and um, his brother as well, Christian Ellis, he's um, with the Eagles right now. Um, he was my roommate my freshman year. We just always stayed close. I know he just went this past year. And like I said before, Jeff Cotton, just all three of those guys being able to go back and talk to them and um, just ask them questions and kind of nitpick their brain and figure out, like, what's the things that I need to prepare for? What's the things that I should do, what I shouldn't do? So it's always great to talk to those guys. And um, at my training facility, we always have guys come by and um, we always can just stop, talk to them. They're always great to talk to. So... So, yeah, so just having those guys close to me in my back pocket is always good to have during this process. So before we get you out of here, uh, you know, we want to give you a chance to go ahead and just plug your social media. So it could be Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you know, where can people kind of just keep up with you throughout the pre-draft process and just follow you? 
Yeah, um, my Instagram, probably the biggest thing on uh, Instagram username is going to be Jalen underscore Hoover. And on um, my Twitter, it's the same thing. Uh, it'll come up as Hoover Dam um, once you type in Jalen underscore Hoover on Twitter. But yeah, just doing um all that, especially on Instagram, I really just try to post my day-to-day, everyday training and pretty much what, what it's like to kind of go through this um, pre-draft process. All right, that's awesome, guys. So be sure to go ahead and follow Jalen. I'll shoot you a follow here in um, a couple of minutes. I think you popped up in my TikTok as well. So I'll definitely shoot you a follow on there. But that's going to do it from us. You know, thanks so much for being on here. And, you know, keep in touch, man. We'd love to have you on again sometime. Perfect. Thank you all so much. Yep, Jalen. Uh, thank you for coming on once again. And best of luck to you in the pre-draft process. Thank you. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, that was our discussion and interview with Jalen Hoover. Uh, a lot of great stuff in that interview. You said, uh, you know, I particularly like the fact that he talks about um, converting from safety to cornerback to and kind of being a versatile player there. You know, we kind of mentioned in that interview, that's something where I think a lot of teams are uh, going to value him for that in the, in, the, in the draft process, hopefully. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on Hoover and uh, you know, Jalen and what he brought to, to this conversation today? Yeah, I mean, I really like the one question and just the way he answered it in terms of where I asked, you know, hey, do you see the game through a safety's eyes despite the fact that you're playing a slot cornerback now? That was a really interesting answer because I think oftentimes what happens is this is playing defensive back, whether it's at college or the NFL level, is one of the hardest positions to play. But you can just get the vibe from Jalen that who he is as a player, the transition from safety to cornerback has been really seamless. and. He, I think, really has come off as a very smart and instinctive defensive back and one that really wins not just physically, but also mentally too. Just he's able to see the game through a different lens, which is really going to benefit him moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I think a lot of what he talked about and, and his work ethic there was something that hopefully benefits him going forward here. And uh, we'll just say before moving on to our final topic here that for us here at Picks for Polls, we wish nothing but the best for Jalen Hoover going forward in the draft here. Um, and we're excited to see where he ends up when uh, this process plays out. And if he's in navy and blue uh, uniform with the Bears here next year, that'll be very exciting for us here at Picks for Polls. All right, let's move on to the final topic for today's episode. Uh, and this is something where we didn't really talk about it much uh, last week, but uh, that's something where I, I want to kind of break down quickly here um, because, you know, we kind of got – we got our first press conference from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, and they kind of talked about, you know, some of the some different questions, went through some things about what to expect from this new regime going forward. And I wanted to talk about what Ryan Poles kind of touched on with his draft philosophy here. So uh, we look back at, you know, previous discussion that Ryan Poles has had, previous uh, breakdowns of him and his philosophy, and then what he said in the presser. Uh, were there any takeaways for you, you say, on, you know, what you think Ryan Poles and his draft philosophy will be going forward as the Bears GM? You know, he had 
a couple really intriguing quotes that stuck out to me when just talking about his team building philosophy in general. Now, what stuck out to me was this, is that Polls talked about, hey, you know, we are going to build through the draft, which again, I know it sounds very generic. It is just the way that you build a lasting and sustaining team in the NFL. You look at all the great teams, you know, the Chiefs, the Ravens, two examples I continue to cite, throw in the Bills as a third team. What have they done? They've continued to build through the draft over three, four, five seasons, and essentially they've developed their players and it's led to lasting success. But what stuck out to me regarding Ryan Poles was the one quote he had where we're going to connect evaluation to valuation in terms of we're going to evaluate, we're going to go ahead and evaluate these players but then we're also not going to rank them too high or rank them too low. There's going to be a certain value that is associated. Another thing to understand is that when you look at just the Bears front office in general, Ryan Paul's right-hand guy is Ian Cunningham, who was a, who's now the assistant GM. He was, I believe, the director of player personnel for the Eagles. He was with the Ravens too. And Poles is right. Having someone such as Cunningham in the building is going to be really critical as the Bears kind of get moving here. Ultimately, when you look at both of these guys, their draft philosophies, they want to build this team from the inside out in terms of it's going to be trenches first and then everything else second. Now, that right there kind of shows me Moving forward, I would not be surprised to see the Bears go ahead and really begin to scout offensive linemen heavily. I know we got the Senior Bowl this weekend. We got the offensive, I'm sorry, the NFL Combine coming up in a couple weeks here, first week of March. And so the Bears are really, I think, going to start placing a um, premium on offensive linemen. I know people are really concerned about how are the Bears going to make this work with just five picks? What is Ryan Poles going to do? Poles kind of hit on look. I know we've only got five picks. Well, there's going to be ways to acquire more or we might just sit on our hands. Not once in the press conference did he kind of talk about, well, you know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to go ahead and trade up if we need to. So this is someone who's really going to kind of let the board fall to him and go ahead and make the best decision from there. Yeah. One guy that they brought into the the front office here that really excites me is Cunningham, like you mentioned in, um, for a guy like him coming up in the Ravens organization under Ozzie Newsom, I mean, we talk about uh, the Ravens being the gold standard of understanding value, trading down the draft, understanding the value of draft picks, and constantly looking to acquire draft picks to accumulate draft capital, so to speak, um, and continue to kind of churn the roster through the draft and develop their organization and build their team through the draft. Um, that is something where I'm really intrigued by that hire there. Uh, from all I, from everything that I hear, Cunningham is a very, very good young executive um, to and a good talent evaluator to bring in with Ryan Poles. And both of those guys, I think it's funny that you mentioned the offensive line. Both of those guys are former offensive linemen. So I, I think we both know where this direction is heading for this team, that they're going to really value the offensive line. If you look at the Eagles, for instance, you look at the way they've just continued to put resources into the offensive line. Um, over the last few years, basically for the last decade or so. I mean, they really have invested in the offensive line in Philadelphia. And, you know, the Chiefs, you look at what they did this past offseason, redoing their entire – remaking their entire offensive line from scratch, basically, this offseason um, to upgrade that unit. Um, you know, I'll say this. I, I don't think anyone on this current offensive line for the Bears can be considered to be safe moving forward because I think, you know, these guys are going to be coming in with a different philosophy – um, a different eye for uh, where these guys are at. Um, and 
you know, it should be interesting to see what plays out. You know, what are they going to do with a guy like James Daniels? What are they going to do with Cody Whitehair with his contract? You know, Tevin Jenkins, is he left tackle, right tackle? Did he move inside the guard, Larry Borm? You know, where do they see his future? So those are all questions that are going to be answered, I think, coming up shortly here. Um, but I, I liked a lot of what Ryan Pohl said in terms of the draft here, in terms of what he talked about. Um, I, I liked the, the quote he had where he talked about the supply and demand of different positions and that some positions are you know, more important than others, but you got to understand that you know, some positions are going to have, and some drafts are going to have a lot of talent uh, with them. So you can afford to kind of, you know, pass on guys early and try to get that position later on because, you know, there's a lot of talent there. Whereas some positions in the draft may not have as much talent. They might have, may have more of a talent scarcity. So um, if you need to address that position, um, you know, maybe getting a guy early in that position to get that need um, is something to look at there. But, I, you know, like you said, uh, the fact that I didn't see anything in terms of, you know, having conviction on his guy. And um, if we feel like there's a guy we need to go get, we're going to go up and go get him. Like the whole Ryan Pace thing of, you know, we got to be aggressive there. None of that, no, no vibes of what, you know, from what I saw um, here from Ryan Poles in that press conference there, which is very refreshing because, you know, Ryan, Pol Ryan Pace, uh, while he had a very good, I'd say, eye for talent overall, um, when you look at his draft history, the biggest problem with him as a GM was his lack of understanding of value and the fact that he would just throw away his draft picks um, looking to trade up because he just couldn't get past missing out on his guys, basically. And you cannot do that as a scout or a GM in the draft. You got to understand that, you know, while playing your board is important, you cannot always pretend like you're the smartest guy in the room. You got to be willing to play the odds. You got to be willing to, let the board come to you and you got to be willing to understand the value of, you know, if we have a couple of guys in the same tier right here, maybe we can trade down. Maybe we can accumulate some draft picks and get one of these guys later and then fill more needs that way. And that's something that Ryan Pace never really understood. He would always lock into a guy, go up and go get that guy and, you know, rest of his picks be damned. Um, you know, he's going to do what it takes to go get a player that he really likes. And that's just something as a GM, you cannot do time after time after time again because we're seeing it right now. The ramifications of that are starting to come. You know, the chickens are starting to come to roost here um, with you know the lack of draft capital over a couple of years. You know, the depth on this team is not there. The lack of you know young dynamic playmakers on the roster is not really there. Um, their cap situation is being messed up because of because they had to replace that talent in free agency instead of the draft uh, to fill these needs and. Um, you look at it and it just creates a bad situation. So, you know, it's going to take some time here with Ryan Poles and Eberflus in this situation. Um, I, I preach patience in this process going forward. I mean, Poles talked about the fact that he wants to, you know, contend and um, be competitive every single year. They're not going to look to rebuild early on, certainly. Um, but, you know, certainly it's, it's going to take a while for them to build up the level of draft capital and the amount of talent through the draft um, to kind of set a foundation for this team moving forward and, and adds a foundation that's already here with some of the young guys on this roster, like we mentioned before, like Darnell Mooney, um, Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, uh, all these guys are Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith. So it's going to take some time. Uh, they're going to build this thing through the draft. I, we hope they do. And we just had to let this process play out.
yeah, one more thing I kind of want to add is this is when you look at Ryan Pace's just overall team building philosophy, the biggest issue, and not to dwell too much on the past here, but again, the Bears are going to be paying for Pace's mistakes for at least 2022 and at some point, some parts of 2023 as well. But when you look at Pace's team building philosophy, his aggressive approach, basically what it did is this, is it put, you know, very few eggs all into one basket. And it basically forced the Bears to go out and to have to really sign guys to cheap one-year deals, you know, severely even underpaid deals sometimes, specifically because all that money was tied up into a handful of players. And the problem is that you're right. We are seeing the continuous repercussions of that because you have to – to build a smart team in the NFL now, you have to be able to draft and develop well, but you also have to know where, when, and how exactly to allocate your resources in terms of draft capital, in terms of salary cap. You know, those you have to be able to basically spread everything out to create a good, well balanced roster. And, you know, there's been there's good teams such as the Chiefs too who experience this issue. Okay. The Chiefs have, you know, a secondary that they're probably going to end up overhauling during the 2022 offseason. Okay. Last offseason, they completely overhauled the offensive line because some of the talent that they brought in just unfortunately did not work out. But ultimately, when you look at that, right, polls, you know, another indication I got from him is hey, I'm gonna go ahead and just build a solid, well-rounded roster, and we're just gonna spread the uh, draft capital throughout as much as we can. Yeah, certainly you can't expect to not have holes any given year at, at any positions. Uh, you're going to have some holes here and there. But when you build the draft and when you acquire draft capital, it reduces your margin of error for one and also gives you more, allows you to have more spread out depth throughout your roster. So those holes aren't as apparent and aren't as glaring moving forward. You don't have as many holes, so to speak. So you just hope that that's the philosophy that you know Ryan Poles brings to the table here with the Bears and uh, we'll just just have to see how it plays out. You know, his first draft is going to be coming up um, in a couple of months here in April. We have a lot of time until that, obviously. So um, uh, until we get to see what he does on draft night, um, a lot of it's going to be speculation right now. But overall, I think we're very excited to see what Poles brings to the table as a drafter, what his philosophy is for the draft moving forward. And hopefully it's a new day in Chicago in terms of uh, the way this team operates from that standpoint moving forward. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here at Picks for Pace. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners for tuning in today and really throughout uh, this pre-draft process period. Um, we have a lot of exciting stuff coming down. Um, that's going to be really, really fun for you guys. So please subscribe and leave a review on Apple or Spotify for us for the podcast. If you're a fan, uh, we really appreciate that. Make sure you give us a follow on social media, on Twitter at Picks for Polls. Um, you know, we're gonna have a lot of stuff for that, especially with the senior bowl, um, you know, wrapping up this week, the draft combine coming up, pro days coming up, uh, it's going to be a lot of stuff going on as well. Also prepare for a, our first mock draft of the offseason coming up soon. Um, uh, once we get done wrapping up senior bowl stuff, we're going to be going to a mock draft for the bears. So looking forward to that. You said, uh, where can all our listeners find your work and follow you on Twitter? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report, too. I'll be doing an article a week for now. And then, you know, once we get closer to the scouting combine, as well as um, just March and April, I'll have, you know, prospect profiles and scouting reports for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to follow Usaid and find his work. Uh, as for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Make sure to keep an eye out for my work covering the draft as well. Going to be doing scouting reports. Going to be covering the Senior Bowl. 
when that gets wrapped up and going to be uh, starting off my mock offseason for the Chicago Bears. Uh, really looking forward to that. Once things get settled with the coaching staff, uh, really looking forward to digging in uh, what the Bears can do this offseason to upgrade and get their team going in the right direction moving forward around just fields. But uh, until that time, Bears fans, uh, bear down. Have a great weekend, and we're going to see you guys next week. Have a good one, Bears fans. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com